All right, a couple weeks ago on this program, we had a, uh, a fascinating talk with Christy Canyon, a legend of adult films. Christy talked about uh, her life in working in that industry, an industry that is a surprisingly robust part of the U.S. economy. I've always been struck by the hypocrisy of the fact that this is an enormously popular form of entertainment that uh, no one seems to have one good word to say about. At least no one in the mainstream media, and certainly no politicians. Christy Canyon, however, has a lot to say on the subject, and she's here today to do a little bit more of that. Christy said a couple of weeks ago that her work in the adult industry was pretty much the G-rated version of Same, and I would agree. I would summarize it by saying it just looked like good, clean fun. The work of Christy Canyon has probably done more for the libidos of Americans than 500,000 prescriptions of Viagra. Christy Canyon, welcome back to Radio Parallax. It's great to be back. Now, Christy, at age 18, you found yourself doing nude modeling for something like $600 a session, which was more money than you could make in, you know, basically a week's pay in the two jobs you were holding down. So tell us about that. You know, I have to say first, I love it when people read my book before I go on. Now you know, I mean, it's so refreshing sometimes, you know, the the publicist sends out a book and then I, you know, do a radio show and they have no idea what my book is. So it's very refreshing and you are wonderful for doing your homework on me. Well, Christy, we we do our best on this program. And your best is really the best. (laughs) Um, Well, I left home when I was 17 and a half. And it was the kind of thing that both of my parents had been remarried three times each, and they were both, you know, going through their own troubles now with, you know, their spouses that they were married to. My sister had gone off to college, and I just, it was a tough time in both my father's household and my mother's household. And I just had to leave to keep my sanity. Um, You know, they were fighting with their spouses, and of course, I was everyone's scapegoat, being the only kid at home now. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not the problem, and I have to leave to, like, preserve my sanity. Which is a very difficult circumstance to imagine any of ourselves being in. You're eight, you're, you're, you're eight, you're not even 18 years old yet, and you're not getting support from home. How do you go out and support yourself? It was tough. I had a part-time job um, while in high school, um, working in a clothing store for what I think it was five twenty-five back in '84. I mean, it was you know sounds about right. Pathetic. And then after taxes, I think it was about three fifty an hour. Um, and then I got a nighttime job as a hostess, and I got a place in Hollywood with um, fake ID that said I was twenty-one. Okay. And uh, like really crappy fake ID. I can't <sighs> believe that they did <laughs> like look at it. It's like the kind you made yourself. And um, so then I had to work two jobs. I should I mention, a- too, by the way, it was very funny. You sort of talked about how uh, uh, at eight, at 17, you realize that you're, you're quite a looker and that by basically batting your eyes at the right guy, they more or less are passing you on your driver's ed test when it maybe wasn't such a good idea on their part to do so. I think I got like four or five tickets speeding and going through stop signs. and So my license was actually suspended for a while. Not that it stopped me from driving. Oh, boy. Oh, they caught up with me one day. (laughs) But um, that's a whole other story. But um, so anyway, so I started working at a health food restaurant at night as a hostess. And I realized that between two jobs, there just wasn't enough time for school. So sadly, I dropped out of school a few weeks before graduation. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, which... 
I'm, I mean, I'm sorry that I never got my high school diploma, but years later I went back to college. It was tough working two jobs and just never having enough money to pay the basic bills. I mean, I wasn't out there shopping and blowing it all. It was like, you know. Right, Los Angeles is not a cheap place to live. No, and back in the 80s, I think my rent on like a one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood, which was not a great area, was like 450 a month, which that's a lot of money. I yeah. mean, that was like two paychecks every, you know, from both jobs just to cover that. Right. Uh, and then, you know, the, the car, not that I had insurance on my car, but... It was just, it was tough. And then I met a guy um, in the business while my car was broken down. He gave me a card for figure modeling. Uh -huh. And um, then he showed me what figure modeling was because I thought it was like hands, feet, you know, that kind of thing. So basically it was nude modeling. Yes. And he showed me a hustler that he was in. And I thought, oh boy, I, there's no way. But like I kept that little card and kind of tucked it away in the back of my socks and underwear drawer. And when I was down to like $5 to my name, I couldn't go home at that point. My parents weren't even speaking to me. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'll do a couple layouts, pay off the bills. Uh, and then 20 years later, here I am talking about my book. <laughs> right. So, so it, didn't, it didn't quite pan out the way you anticipated. You started out doing a bit of nude modeling, and I, I don't suppose you imagined in any way that could lead to sexual films. No. I was very comfortable doing nude modeling. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, the first time it was scary just because I didn't know what I was doing. And sure. Trying to look sexy on film and sucking in my stomach and showing all my fingers. And, you know, I'd like smile really big for the camera like it was some family portrait. Right. And they'd say, oh, no, no, no. You know, make a little circle with your mouth and go, ooh, and <laughs> ah. You know, like say the vowel. Right. Um, so that part was fun. I mean, and then, then I did like a girl-girl layout, which there was no hardcore. You stayed like a foot away from the private part. Right. It was all simulation. It was just, and they were my friends. It was like, okay, you know, we'd be talking during, you know, while the photographer was changing his film. So, I mean, it was really fun. And I started getting that self-confidence back that I had lost along the line when I was 17 and had to move out and really was humbled by experiences that I went through. Yeah. So well, it was a good way to get my self-confidence back and to make thousands of dollars, which for a dropout 18-year-old yeah. was like, wow. You do three sessions in a day and might take home almost $2,000. Yes. And you got to keep the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. in a few months, you transition. And, and this is the part in your book I thought was the... I mean, most people can relate to the idea of me perhaps not having clothes on and, 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 and having their picture taken. But you made a transition in a few months then to doing basically hardcore cinema. Tell us how that happened. Uh, well, the agent that I had at the time, who's a very nice man, I have no ill feelings. I think he's a great guy. Um, but he did kind of trick me. He said, okay, Christy, you know, here's your directions to go to this address, which turns out now it's a house owned by Billy Idol. And, uh, you know, you're doing a loop there with a guy and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, so I have a boy-girl layout, you know. Uh -huh. So I pull up to the set, whistling away, thinking about, you know, the new place I'm going to move into, get out of Hollywood. Yeah, and life is good. Life is awesome. I am just kicking rear and, you know, I'm on top of the world. Yeah. So I pull up to the gates and there are like moving vans and cameras being rolled out and they aren't the kind that sit on a tripod. They were like movie cameras. Yeah. 
And I got a little nervous and thought, well, maybe they're shooting a film also. Don't, you know, it's a big house. Maybe there's a few things going on. And so I get in the house and I realize a loop, which I was told I was doing. I didn't know what a loop was. It is a video, but it's called a loop because it's not a true video as far as it's not a whole story. In the 80s, they called them loops where it was just one sex scene no real dialogue. You kind of just shot from the hip and yeah. made stuff up as you went along. And it was like a 20-minute sex scene that they put with three others and make a tape out of it. At the time, it was for a company uh, called Swedish Erotica. Okay. I think it was volume 57 I was in. So I called up the agent and I said, uh, you know, there must be some kind of misunderstanding. Uh, and but, You know, uh, there's movie cameras. I thought this was a layout. But, like, the whole time I'm talking to him, I'm thinking I've been, you know, tricked. From your book, the quote he says to you is, what are you worried about? It's just sex. You know, at that point in my life, I had been with maybe five guys. And there was never a camera zooming in on certain parts of me. Yes. So now suddenly the director's saying, okay, you got to do this position, that position. And I'm thinking, doggy, what is this guy talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was very naive. I thought that I wasn't, but I was. So the agent on the phone said, you know, well, if you pull out, you've made a verbal agreement, and now that you've shown up on the set, you know, he could sue you for breach of contract. But at the time, I thought, oh, my God, I I just saved, you know, $3,000. I can't get sued. I don't blame anybody. I chose to stay there and finish it. Fair enough. Because I was independent. I was going to make it on my own. I guess I obviously could have gone home to my father, but I wouldn't because things were worse there. I'd rather just grin and bear to get this scene over with. All right, so so you did, and things were never and things were never the same afterwards. No, they weren't. And uh, now you you had to face, of course, when when it, when people that you knew were aware of what you were up to. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of negativity from the family and a lot of hard feelings. And and uh, talk about that. The hard feelings were there long before I got into the business. You know, a question, I just did an interview for a reality TV that Vivid is doing, a TV show. And, of course, the last question was, what would you do down the road when you have kids and they got into porn? And you know what the answer is? I'd look at myself and see what I did wrong as a mother. Because no healthy girl that I know gets into porn. It's not something that you grow up and think, I want to be a stripper, I want to be a a porn star. Something goes wrong that makes you need the attention. Okay. Something goes wrong where you aren't getting something at home and you rebel, which is what I did. Not that it's a bad thing because I turned something that might be bad into something very positive. Okay. I should, I think, mention, interject at this point something from, from my own personal experience. I won't say which part of my training, but somewhere in medical school and, and afterwards in residency, I, I was uh, going out with a, um, a medical student who at one point took me aside and said, I, I got to tell you this story because I don't want you to hear this from anybody else, which is always a bad way to start a conversation. And she said, at, eight, at age 18, uh, my father booted me out of the house and I was basically thrown out the day I turned 18 with no skills saying, good luck. And uh, she said that what had, what had happened was she'd wound up becoming a call girl for some period of time. And put that behind her and said that, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that can happen. And my reaction was surprise, but it was like, well, you just don't know what you'll do unless you're in a circumstance like that at age 18. Now, this person many years later, I'm sure, is out somewhere in California being a first-class physician. She was brilliant. 
But uh, who would know that a thing like that had happened to her in the past? And it's hard, you know, it's, it's something that uh, might be easy to judge unless you'd been in that circumstance. I agree. You know, one thing that being an adult film star has taught me is to not judge others. You know, people have to do what they have to do to survive. The one thing that I do not like are drug dealers because you know what? That hurts other people. Making adult films doesn't hurt anyone because you know what? You don't turn on, turn on Channel 4 and it's right there. You have to get in your car, go to the video store, go behind the red curtain in the back of the video store and bring it up to the counter, show your ID. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that making films... It's not hurting anyone. And, you know, for these idiots, like, was it Bundy that said, I watched a porn film and it made me kill 20 people. Yes. Oh, BS. You're a psychotic idiot, you know? Has yes, I've actually heard intelligent people quote that back at me. You know, that Ted Bundy used to watch a lot of porno. And it's sort of like, well, uh, yeah. So, so do a lot of, so do, so do millions of people who don't, uh, or are not serial killers. Exactly. It has nothing to do with it. We had sex. That's total BS. And you know what the problem is? It's the era of blame. No one can take responsibility. They have to blame everybody else for why they're messed up. It's the era of blame. It's yes. Everyone else's fault that their lives are screwed up. And I totally don't dig on that. I'm yeah. so sick of belly acres. Yeah. Christy, in your book, you have some very funny anecdotes about some of your co-stars. Uh, could you share a couple of those? Tracy Lords was the kind of girl that if they said we're having deli food, she'd say, no, we're not. I hate deli food. I want Thai food. And then she'd look at me and kind of wink and say, I just like to make them jump hoops for me. <laughs> she made a lot of money for the business, and they would do whatever it took to make her happy. And I just thought, wow, I want to be like her. She's so selfish. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I really... That was your reaction? I thought, God, she just, she knows how to work it. I don't. You know, I'm always, oh, I don't care what we eat. Whatever you want, I'll have something. Right. I was more like the people pleaser. Yeah. Where she was just like, it's my way or I'm out of here. Are people doing better these days in general and in the industry than they used to be or... I think that the girls under contract are. Yeah. I think that there's plenty of girls that still work just day to day. It's right. really the top three companies that have contract girls. Like in mainstream cinema, you have more control if you're a star. Yeah, you know, and we got choice of who we wanted to work with and yeah. script control. But you know what? I didn't care. Give me a script. I won't read it anyway. <laughs> Where do I go? Just let me know. I didn't care about scripts and... You know, I didn't want to work with new guys. That was my only rule because I don't want to be the guinea pig. So that was the only thing. I had my group of guys. I, you know, the Ron Jeremy, who I adore, and Peter North. I had like 10 guys that I loved to work with because they were just tested, tried, and true. All right, which I gather in the industry is, is not so easy to find. No, but you know what? Now, I mean, I quit making films in 97. And now the big thing what I hear is a lot of the new guys have no problem with it because they're all on Viagra. So they're kind of cheating. Really? Yeah. Viagra has revolutionized the porn industry as well. Oh, has it ever. I, I, that's interesting to hear that. Yeah. It's made a huge difference from what I gather. Wow. I guess shortly after you start making films, uh, a famous actor finds his way to you and expresses some interest and basically attempts to sweep you off your feet. And in the book, it's quite clear that you're a bit starstruck by this guy, like the teenage girl that you were, and that you're fantasizing about a real romance with this guy, but that things kind of go south. Can you tell us a bit about that? Not everyone seems what they are. He had a whole different twist on sex than I was into. I was very much into monogamy. 
um, obviously besides films. But that was, you know, that was my job. So it just made me realize that they've got their own ideas of what turns them on, and it may not be obviously what turns me on. And it just turned me off from him. It's it's a real romance for you. You're, you're interested in this guy for what he could bring and what, and what what he might mean to you. And here he is looking at you as um, as an object of his voyeurism. Yes. It's very sad to read the book and realize how how your how dashed your hopes were. They were, but man, it made a good story. Eighteen years later. <laughs> well, you know, the stories that wind up in a bit of a disaster always tell the best later later on. They do. You know, I look at so much in life, and I think you know, like I went on a date once with this guy years ago, and it was just such a disaster. It was so bad that it was good. Like, I kept thinking, I can't wait to tell my sister and my mom about this guy, how weird he is. You've more or less, you've left films behind at this point, adult adult films. Yes. And you've had a chance to get an education and learn about the craft of writing and, and tackle a book. Yes, I started in my writing class in 2001, and I released um, my book, when was it, last year? So 2003. Looking back, Christy, any final comments, any regrets about that remarkable path your life has taken? Uh... No regrets at all. Okay. Everything has been a learning experience. Sometimes it was tough, but you know what? You learn, and you just kind of, you know, keep it in your back pocket so you don't make that mistake again, and you just move on. All right. Any, any advice you'd give to people? Don't worry about what other people are going to think, and keep it legal. <laughs> you know, don't do anything that's going to land you in jail, like not paying tickets and then they come and get you a couple years later <laughs> but uh, whatever you do just enjoy it and really just live your life day to day well words to live by thanks once again christy canyon and when we'd like some point to talk to you again anytime all righty you guys are great thank you say nighty night and kiss me just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me All right, that about does it for today's show. Thanks again to authors Robert Tannenbaum and Christy Canyon, both of whom we hope we will talk with again in the future. This is Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I am Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for Todd.